Hey there, Solar Warriors. I'm Nico Johnson, and this is Suncast. Each week, I pull back the veil on the life and business insights of cleantech entrepreneurs building the most noble and impactful companies of our time. I hope what you learn from this conversation is a catalyst for your own growth. So thanks for tuning in and welcome to our tribe. Hey, yo, happy new year, Solar Warrior. Welcome, welcome to the first episode of 2022. Feels pretty good to say that. Here we go, jumping into a new year. It's going to be an amazing year. It really will be. And this episode 433 of Suncast is a great way to kick it all off right. This is what we call a tactical Tuesday. It's a short form conversation with subject matter experts designed to give you the practical tools, tips, and advice for building your solar or clean energy business and career. We've had a number of conversations about the concept of aerial imagery and drone or manned aerial vehicle gathering processes, how to scale that and whether it matters in your business. Like most Tactical Tuesdays, This is intended to give you answers to questions that you are pondering in how to build your business. And one of those I know to be true is, do I use a drone? Do I use unmanned aircraft for all of these aerial image, thermal image data gathering processes that my team or my instinct tell me I should be gathering? How do I accurately and efficiently gather this data and incorporate it into a larger fleet-wide protocol and process, where do I even begin? If you've been asking those questions, then you're in the right place. Today's guest, Mark Culpepper, is the general manager for Solar at Drone Base, and he has more than a few insights that will help you address this in your business operations immediately. If you're curious how, well, get ready to tune up your skills, Solar Warrior. Here we go with the first Tactical Tuesday of 2022, another powerful and insightful conversation here on Suncast. Folks, today, if you've been asking yourself the question that I presume you have, which is how do I gather and use, visualize, and uh, in any way operationalize at scale the data on my solar plant, utility, commercial, fleet-wide, then you're in the right place. My friend, Mark Culpepper, heads up Global Solar as the general manager at DroneBase for the solar division. But his story goes way, way, way before DroneBase ever thought about solar as a category. (laughs) Well, in fact, back when I first met Mark, he was running one of the first rocks I've ever seen in the industry. Maybe it was the first, and he can tell us today, but I remember while he was at Sun Edison, he created this global monitoring operations center. I saw one of them in Belmont and it is, it was fascinating, gave the ability to track power and energy and revenue on solar plants around the world. Basically the first unified portal for really investors and clients to track performance of their plants. Today, he's going to talk a lot about how his understanding of the solar plant and its operation therein back in those days catalyzed a new business that he started and recently sold to a company called DroneBase. First, let me welcome Mark Culpepper to the show. Nika, thanks so much. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm really uh, looking forward to today's conversation. Me too, my friend. Me too. You've got a lot of credibility around building 
and operating plants as you've been a part uh, all the way back. Was it Team Solar that originally got acquired by SunEd? Yeah, that's correct. Mm-hmm. Angela and Rick Lavezzo, you know, uh, back in the day. So doing work for SMUD, you know, and then ultimately we're doing what we considered large systems at that time, which is a one megawatt tracker. Got sucked up by uh, Sun Edison. So, yeah. yeah. Well, we're going to have a separate conversation down the road where we'll get way back into your backstory and tell the Mark Culpepper traditional Suncast sure. episode. <laughs> Today, we really want to help folks with this timeless question of build versus buy. Because a lot of folks are thinking about whether or not thermal imaging matters for their plant or for their operations or for their ability to forward sort of future cast or even retrospectively make decisions about uh, how they can build plants better. The Question I have for you, given the depth of not only strategic, but operational expertise that you've gleaned from the days of Team Solar all the way through SunEd and beyond, do you recall a moment, maybe a spark or a, maybe you're at a trade show or something where aerial information as a category or, or a product became a fascination for you? Yeah, I do, actually. Uh, so I was running uh, global asset management and O&M at Sun Edison. I was also their, their CTO. And one of the challenges we had is we had, you know, and I'm, I know that um, people listening, everybody's got a power plant that's either the golden child, they touched it once <laughs> and it's run perfectly ever since. Yeah. And then you got the other end of the extreme where you just got problem children and you just know within the first three to six months, this plant is always going to be a problem for you. And you know, when you're running that group, the thing that you get focused on is a problem children because you're trying to, trying to get your numbers up kind of across the board. We had some power plants up in Canada that were in the problem children category, and we just couldn't get a good handle on exactly what was going on there. You know, we knew that our operations team was doing exactly what they were supposed to be doing. We didn't seem to have inordinately bad weather uh, for that region, and we still had underperformance. So I was uh, I was out of show in uh, Germany. I was actually at Intersolar in Germany back in 2010, and I saw one of the first thermal drones, thermal inspection drones. Mm -hmm. And I thought, man, this would be a great tool, but it was $150,000. There was no regulatory framework. People weren't clear on where you could fly it or when you could fly it. Was this a a UAV? Unmanned? Yeah. Yeah. It was a oh, UAV. Wow. It was a big UAV, a big drone. You know. grand. Yeah. 150 grand, the, right? You can buy a plane for that. You know. What does the equivalent drone today cost in terms of technology? That, yeah. So that drone today, uh, fully loaded with everything that you possibly could want on it is around 20 grand. Oh my God. And that's everything. You know, that's all <laughs> yeah. in, right? Yeah. That's amazing. And dramatically better in, in all regards. Imaging, everything, flight time, and that, you name it, right? And that was kind of my, my realization too, is when I looked at that, I said, okay, this would be really, really valuable. And having grown up in the tech sector, I was looked at it and I said, this is going to get a lot better and a lot cheaper in just a few years time. So I kind of parked the idea in the back of my head, but really started to play around in drones just shortly after I left SunEdison in late 2011. Right. Okay. So that was a decade ago. As I mentioned in the intro, you spent the last four to five years in stealth with this little startup called Precision XYZ. When did it become obvious to you, like now's the time I need to get into this thermal imaging, aerial information category, and there's a gap? Well, it was, it, it was basically in 2016. So they just passed a new regulatory framework in the United States that allowed everyday people to get a pilot's license for drone operations. Right. And that was kind of the trigger because before that you had to have be a licensed pilot, you know, 
which mm-hmm. was expensive and time consuming and, and just took a lot of time. When this new framework came out uh, from the new license category, we realized, okay, now we've got an opportunity. So in 2016, we started working on this and officially launched it in, in January of 2017. We were actually doing deals in 2016, but we didn't launch it until 2017. We worked on that for about almost three years. And then, you know, I started to look at it and I realized we'd done almost a gigawatt of thermal inspections with drones and a lot of other work with drones too. But in terms of thermal, about a gigawatt of thermal inspections. And what I realized was the industry is outpacing the rate at which you can collect data with drones. So, you know, if you look at next year, for example, I think the early forecast had forecast about 44 gigawatts of new solar installations for 2022. That has since been downgraded because of logistics supply chain issues. Right. But it's still a tremendous amount. Now, with the drone, you can collect about 20 megawatts per day, you know, uh, per person, basically. With a manned aircraft, you can collect about a half a gigawatt per day with current technology. That is just an order of magnitude different. And and so what I realized kind of in year three was we really need to start looking at manned aircraft in addition Mm -hmm. to drone operations. So that was kind of my own epiphany and my own realization, having worked the logistics of of large-scale drone ops. That was about a year ago, a year and a half ago, it sounds like. and. What we know from your title is that you're now the general manager for the solar division at Drone Base. I'm curious for two things. As a seasoned industry executive running now a startup, how did you come to the realization that Drone Base was the right platform? And then actually, corollary is also what I want to know. Why did Drone Base think Precision XYZ was a great addition to their team? So. You know, when I started to realize we were going to need a significant infusion of capital to really launch manned aircraft operations, we started to look around. We actually got approached by several companies for acquisition. The only one that still had that had manned aircraft as part of their operational rhythm was drone base. Even though they're called drone base, you know, most of their data collection in North America is done with manned aircraft. So that to me was was very appealing and, and ultimately was the reason why we ended up going with them. But we had really developed a good rhythm around data collection, analytics and processing, and then report delivery to the clients. And DroneBase was coming at this from a slightly different angle. DroneBase got started doing literally uh, real estate imagery for realtors using drones. And so they had developed a operational system that would allow them to process a lot of data very quickly through their system and do it at large scale. I mean, DroneBase has almost 90,000 operators globally right now uh, that collect the data for them all over the world. And so they had developed a lot of kind of muscle memory and software platform work around connecting buyers and sellers Right. And essentially acting as a kind of a marketplace. Uh, You can kind of think of it as an Uber for drones for the real estate, both commercial and residential real estate markets. So about two and a half years ago, almost three years ago now, they looked at that and said, "Okay, this has been great. We've got a good foundation here, but we really need to expand into some other markets. And when they looked around, the markets that were really appealing to them was renewable energy. So they started to to, um, invest pretty heavily in both wind and solar. Their initial foray was in wind. We have a great 
wind operation now that has, I think this year we'll probably scan close to 10,000 turbines, but they also needed something to really build out their solar ops. And what they were lacking was a strong platform. They didn't have a good software platform and they didn't have good in-house knowledge on the sector. So when they saw us, they saw a really good way to kind of ignite that fire, so to speak, on the solar front and um, bring us in as a collective team and just run that thing out its normal path. So Dan Burton, the CEO, approached me just a little over a year ago now, probably a year and a month, year and two months ago, and uh, we consolidated a deal pretty quickly. And since then, that's, that's been where we're at. Yeah, no, it's been good. It's been a good run. Yeah. Well, uh, I have a qu- couple of questions around drum base in a little bit that I want to ask because you guys have been on quite an impressive run since adding Precision XYZ. And, and it's, it's just a world-class team that I had a chance to meet in, in Clean Power. You have a fantastic team, really thoughtful about how you're expanding. But if I'm listening right now and I'm the director of operations or director of asset management, or I'm a field technician or performance engineer, what questions am I asking myself that DroneBase can help me solve? Like what are, what are my fears right now coming into a new year that's going to be hopefully the biggest year of solar ever in the United States? What are my fears? Well, I think for a lot of um, operators right now, the question is how do I keep up and not, not turn into a snake that ate its own tail? By that, what I mean is, you know, when I started, there's, there's kind of been this paradigm shift in O&M, right? And, and asset management thinking in general. When I started in the sector, we were charging $19,000 a megawatt per year for maintenance. Today, you're lucky if you can get 3,500 bucks per megawatt, right? Um, particularly on utility scale plants. You'll get more for, for a rooftop, but for utility scale plants, I won't say the bottom's fallen out, but it's dropped pretty dramatically since, since I was there. So the question is, I can't just throw bodies at this problem. I have to automate as much as I can, right? And the question really is, how do I build a cost-effective thermal scanning strategy? Because they know that thermal scans do save the money relative to, say, a traditional IV curve trace approach, right? But the question then is, do I build it in-house? Do I outsource it? Do I come up with a hybrid structure? The question is, how do I do it effectively? Because you have to take and deliver a report to a field tech who's going to be working out the field. And it's got to take them to the problem, you know, cost effectively. And it's got to be accurate. You know, if it's not accurate, I guarantee you what will happen is they'll use the report once. It takes them to a, what we call false positive, which is something that says there's a problem, but there's no problem there. And I'll be like, hmm, okay, that's a problem. If that happens twice, you're going to have a big problem. It, it's just never going to happen a third time because if it does, they never will ever use it again. So for the field tech, they got to have something that's really going to work for them. And as that, you know, you think about that director, the director's like, how do I scale this across, in some cases, hundreds or even thousands of assets scattered all over the U.S. and the world. That's the question they're really wrestling with and one which we really come to the table with, with a good solution. What does thermal scanning directly afford me that I can't get with my crew that's already out in the field? Thermal scans are great in the sense that they are very binary. If you disconnect a solar panel or you, disc- or you have a broken cell inside of an individual module, what happens is that the energy that would normally get translated into DC power and then offloaded to an AC inverter or to an inverter where it'd be turned over to an AC handoff, 
if it doesn't have that connection, if that line is broken or a fuse is blown or there is a bad soldering joint, you know, what happens is that it doesn't have anywhere to throw that energy. So that panel heats up at a higher rate than the associated components that might be adjacent that are still connected. So it stands out like a bright light. It's almost like somebody had, had just taken a flashlight and shown it onto that particular segment of the array. Right. Mm-hmm. This is true for the panel, the cell, multiple cells. It's also true for strings, combiner boxes, harnesses, and even inverters. So if I show you a picture of a field where the inverter is offline and all the other inverters are online, what you'll see is a big white area where that entire block is hotter than everything around it. So I can see, you know, back, even coming back to the, that rock idea of Suned that now m- m- many, many people have, the rock can show what the device is signaling that, hey, there's a string offline if they've got string level monitoring or, hey, there's an inverter offline. And they even know based on a map where that might be. But if we're talking of a plant that, let's just just say it's a plant that's 500 megawatts, one of the advantages might be being able to come out, deploy a drone on your platform and see, is there anything else that I need to do here? Or Because I feel like they can can correctly already with the technology identify which string is offline, right? They can for the most part. What's interesting, and and we've... Um, we both experienced this at Sun Edison, and we've seen it um, numerous times with the people that we work at the field level. You know, I made that point about trust, right? Mm. And sometimes the data acquisition systems have their own problems, right? Because those, those components will fail over time as well. And so what shows up as an offline string, if you go out there, it's actually just the data acquisition system component that failed. Oh. So, so it's not actually giving you a, um, absolute truth, right? No false positive. Now, yeah. Yeah. It's a false positive. So what's interesting though, is that with thermal inspections, those are absolute truth. Those are based on physics. Like you, you're, you cannot look at that and go, okay, that string is still online, even though it's showing up hotter than everything around it. Something is going on with it. There's some sort of physical issue there. So the drone is a, you can think of it as a supplement or a complement to it. For these really large fields, the big challenge is a couplefold. Number one, how do I just assess my assets, both at the time they're first built, right? So kind of a commissioning scan and just say, hey, I just brought a new car. Does my car have any scratch paint? Does it have any dings on it, right? And a thermal scan will give you that in a definitive way, right? Which won't always be the case with some other systems, you know, particularly at commissioning. The other thing that you're looking at is if I have to do this annually, and most of our clients do do annual scans, how do I do it cost-effectively, right? Mm -hmm. So there's the annual health check and the annual health check, like it's very, very hard to compete with manned aircraft from a cost-effective standpoint. You know, you think about that adage that you can do 20 megawatts per person per day on average with a drone right with a manned aircraft you can do a half a gig or you can do 60 or 70 individual sites per day for smaller systems yeah it's just very very hard to compete with that you know got it that's what i was going to ask is where does manned aerial scanning fit into the overall health check like this from a platform perspective if you're working with you know black rockers you know a huge asset manager or even yeah uh, i imagine it's even more cost-effective in certain, in certain ways for the smaller asset managers. 
It can be because you can scan all the assets very quickly, mm -hmm. right? If you have a manned aircraft in the area. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we just recently announced the air, uh, acquisition of a company called AirProbe uh, out of India. And AirProbe mm -hmm. specializes in uh, specifically in drone-based data acquisition and processing and analytics. They have a very strong AI and ML tool chest built around something we call image-based processing. So you're basically taking picture, 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 and then it's analyzing every one of those pictures and going, okay, defect here, defect there, et cetera. Right. With a manned aircraft, you take a bunch of pictures and you build what's called an ortho mosaic. You can think of that as one giant picture of the power plant. And that allows you to provide context for the client so they can actually mm. look at that and go, oh, okay, I see that's over by that inverter that we constantly have problems with. Or that's at that place where we've had that ground fault issue for the last three years. Right. You know? Or, oh, yeah, we had a lightning strike in the north field. You okay. know? So the, the aerial data from the manned aircraft provide a great cost-effective way for the annual health check. And now with AirProbe, we have this ability to bring in drone-based data very cost-effectively. So let's just put it this way. Most of the clients that we work with, they use both our annual health check using manned aircraft, and they use drones for spot checks and on-demand application in the field. The, the two technologies, you have to think of it as you have to use the right technical problem, a right technical solution for the right uh, technical problem. And... You know, drones are great for doing those spot checks and really getting out there and helping teams be more efficient when they're in the field. They are not as good when you're asking them to do a health check, an annual health check on an asset that could be as large as a gigawatt these days, because, you know, you cannot cover that field in a timely way. And as you just go through that health check process with drones, you end up with a scenario in which the sun is changing. You're doing it over multiple, in many cases, weeks. And by the time you're done with the field, it's a little bit like painting the Golden Gate Bridge. By the time you're done, you got to start all over again. So the two technologies really complement each other. We call this integrated aerial operations, where you can use your health check, your field techs can go out there with an annual health check provided by the manned aircraft. They could toss a drone up when they're in the area that they're going to do work and say, has anything changed since the health check that I got, my annual health uh -huh. check? They really complement and supplement each other in a really um, effective way. Yeah, it'd be difficult to build that on your own, I would imagine, because it's, it's, a, it's a complex multi-year comparison database. Either way, you have to have someone dedicated to it at that point, I, I would expect. You really do. I think that the, um, the way that we look at it is if clients have their own drone ops, and a lot of people, particularly in early markets, when they find a technology that gives them advantage, even if there is no service provider, they're going to go out and, and implement it because it provides them an advantage, right? You see this again and again in the technology sector where uh, something gets grown in-house. Eventually, the market kind of grows around it, and a lot of service providers come up. And that in-house morphs into a hybrid structure or in some cases gets completely supplemented or replaced by an outside service provider. Some of the companies we work with are much further along than others. They have drone ops that works for them. And for those, what they're really looking for is a common data repository, which we have with our platform. And they're looking for someone who can do the process analytics, right? Because the process analytics is also... You know, people think of it, you just fly your drone, you collect the data. Well, you got to have, you got to put that data somewhere. 
And particularly when you're doing it year after year after year after year, because that's where you really get value out of that data. It's the, it's the view over time, right? A question I've asked myself, Mark, that maybe you've got some insight on. A lot of folks say, oh, I'll just buy a bunch of drones. I'll send out my field techs. They're already on site anyway. And I just feel like from a return on dollar invested, that might not be the highest and best use of the guys in the field. What's your take on that? Well, yeah, we see that a lot as well. And, um, you know, I respect that. I I understand why they they have that mindset. I think Mm -hmm. part of the challenge is what is the opportunity cost for that tech? And if the tech is not fully utilized, then then you got a different issue, right? If you've, if he's got enough time to fly the drone, then you have to ask yourself, well, why does he have enough time to fly the drone? Because the, <laughs> the way that the O and M, I have too many people on site, right? <laughs> yeah, or something. You know, the, the, it's it's a it's a heavily front loaded business, right? You have to kind of, and it's a very spiky business in terms of demand. You know, you you end up with scenarios where techs are suddenly you got to have everybody on site during a very focused time period, typically in the spring, to be able to get those systems up to snuff so they can really perform during the summer peak periods, right? And then during the summer peak periods, they're basically engaged in in, in uh, break-fix type work, you know, and uh, work that's occurring kind of on demand, right? But it's less intensive. And so the question is, if you've got your techs out there and – a journeyman electrician, you know, here in California, that's a six-figure job, right? And the, the question is, you know, when they're out there working, they're making money for you. You know, when they're out there flying drones, you have to ask, are they really making that much money for you? You know, or they just identify problems in order for you to make money. So there is an opportunity cost associated with it. Not every tech is a journeyman electrician. I get that, you know. So, you know, I think for entities that have kind of well-established processes, having a third party conduct the service probably is going to be most cost-effective. For emergent younger companies who still are kind of sorting that out, you know, there's, I think, a better opportunity for them to take advantage of, of a lag time and use it. We will work with either one. We don't really care. You know, I think Having run a big global operation myself, I know we were always trying to find ways to optimize uh, efficiency at the field level and in, improve revenue on a per tech basis, right? Because that's where we made our money. You know, we made our money when our tech was fixing a broken inverter, uh, working on trackers, things like that. You know, that were technically skilled and require technical knowledge, not necessarily in, you know, like for example, we never had a field tech working in the knot, right? In a renewable operations center. That that was never going to happen because it just didn't make sense. You know, in the same way, probably for most companies, you know, having techs fly, I think, particularly for annual health checks, I don't think is a good use of of resource. But every company has to find their own path on that and we respect that. Mark, earlier when you were talking about manned aircraft, it got me to thinking about the way that Google Earth was created. You know, Google has fully, fully employed pilots that effectively fly a grid across the United States and now the world at all times. They're just backtracking yeah. kind of like that Golden Gate Bridge, updating data. It seems like a lot of the data that you guys are collecting, and since we know that a lot of solar plants are concurrent in specific areas, especially out in the, in the desert where a lot of these large plants are built, you're already flying over and perhaps capturing data at sites for customers that you don't have as customers yet. So the question I have is, 
are you all able to aggregate this sort of subscribable data that people can then opt in to and become customers without the need for you to fly a manned aircraft for them? You already have the data and you can present it. Or is that something that's kind of down the road? Well, I think that's a, a really fascinating question. And we have looked at that extensively. We have something and I can tell you about that today, actually called our we call it internally the North American Solar Scan. And essentially what this is this year, our aircraft have flown over 60,000 nautical miles. So we have covered literally every major solar market in North America, excluding Mexico. We are manned aircraft don't fly in Mexico, but they do fly in Canada and the US. And in that process, as you can imagine, we overfly a lot of fields, a lot of power plants. We fly, typically we fly in the spring and the fall. You know, we have kind of three main corridors that we fly, East, east Coast, Central uh, region, basically from Texas all the way up north, and then the West Coast. So originally it was kind of east and west, split by the Mississippi, and now there's kind of a third quarter that runs through the middle of the, of the country. What that allows our, our clients to do is get really, really cost-effective annual health checks. You could think of it as the difference between, between renting a car and taking the bus, right? You can certainly rent a car. It's going to cost you more. You get a lot of flexibility. You can kind of take it when you want to take it and all that, that good stuff. The bus is dirt cheap and allows you to cover a lot of turf really efficiently. So for us, we look at this as, again, that, that supplemental uh, means to collect data uh, in a cost-effective way. At the end of the day, you know, as, I, as we said at the outset, this is about building a cost-effective thermal scanning strategy. Right, And if you say the only tool that you can use is manned aircraft, you're going to be disappointed because there's just going to be times when it's not going to be either cost effective or in the time that you need it. If you say the only tool that you're going to use is a drone, you're going to be disappointed because doing large fields is not cost effective with a drone, you know, and you're not going to be able to get it in the time that you need it. It is about using the right tool at the right time. Now, to answer your question around do we collect data and then hold it? Uh, there are instances where we can do that. For most of our clients, uh, we collect on spec and basically give them kind of as part of that bus route, we give them those um, really great industry leading prices and allow them to come into it in a really cost-effective way. Yeah. Does the air probe acquisition, which now incorporates this visual image identification, empower you with regard to the North America solar data set and making it more actionable? For sure. So the great thing about this is you can come to us and say, hey, Mark, we really need um, our asset scan this for this spring. And we'll be like, great. We'll build them into the flight plan. We'll scan them. We'll get you your data. Now, your field techs, after they have that data, they may act on it immediately or they may act on it in 60 days. You know, it really depends on what their own schedule looks like. And in those cases, they want to have a tool so that when they get out there, they can say, is that still, are these problems still the problems or are there new problems that have arisen, right? So being able to combine uh, both the drone-based data and that annual health check from the manned aircraft brings a pretty powerful toolkit to the, the table and allows them to, to do it cost-effectively. It doesn't uh, break the bank when you're you know, using your drone-based solution or your manned aircraft. It actually makes it more cost-effective. So it gives them a, a tool that they can use 
for the right problem at the right point in time. Well, Mark, it, it stands to reason for me then, based on what you just said, that hopefully you're developing this, but I want to be able to go on the drone based website and check to see if I'm in that flight path to see if this makes sense for me at all, but not necessarily have to reach out directly to you. Is that possible? Absolutely. In fact, um, we're just implementing that tool as you speak. So if you just go to our website, follow the, the link uh, that I think you're, you're going to provide here, they can actually just type in their address and you know tell us a little bit of information like this is the location and here's the size of the plant. And then we can tell you exactly what that looks like in terms of if you're on the on the flight it's like path. Google Google Earth for for solar imagery. <laughs> yeah, we're going to give you a very binary answer: either you're on the flight path or you're off the flight path, and that's right. pretty much it. You know. Yeah, so. and if they're off the flight path, the good news is that they can reach out and have and be added to the flight path. That's exactly right. The other thing too, and this is one of the other great great things about this acquisition that we just completed, is that even if they're not on the flight path. We've got operators, UAV operators. If you don't have a UAV operator, we have them. If you do have UAV operators, the world, right? exactly. If you do have a UAV operator, that's great. We can just process the data for you. You know, so we can we can really address literally any problem that you have as far as thermal scans go. So I guess one remaining area that we haven't talked about, because we've talked about gigantic, huge gigawatts of solar installed. Yeah. But there's a fair amount of Suncast solar warriors out there that are in the resi and commercial industrial space. Does this aerial imagery still make sense for those customers or is drone base really focused on that kind of one megawatt and upscale customer? So C&I customers, we definitely service. We don't do anything in residential at this time. But for the CNI clients, absolutely. We've got a good platform that can service them. I mean, literally like with our, with our manned aircraft fleet uh, or with our UAV operations, we can cover those extremely effectively all over North America. And in fact, if you have operations outside of North America, we are active now in APAC, Australia, Japan, India, um, all across Europe. So really doesn't matter where your operations are. We can cover you. We are a global operation. Well, Mark, I've learned a ton uh, that I didn't really know about the, the differentiation really between this dichotomy that we see often in our industry, drone versus manned aircraft in how to actually use aerial information, aerial imagery and thermal scans at scale. I think that this is going to be one of those must-haves, not nice-to-haves as we move forward in the industry scales at the pace that we expect it to in the next decade. If there are folks that are listening that want to uh, connect with you or even just have a face-to-face with you as we start to finally hopefully have more of those in 2022, where's the next place that you're going to be present that folks could actually like book some time with you? That's a great question. Um, Well, I, I tell you, it's been, you know, COVID's been tough for everyone. First, let me just say my heart goes out to anybody who's who's had anybody who's had losses from COVID, you know, because uh, it, it's a real serious thing in regards to where we're going to be. We are very much looking forward to 2022 and hoping that uh, we can all be uh, together. We are going to be at Intersolar. We won't have a booth there, but we have a meeting room set up and we would love to have people come to us and chat more about this. In fact, uh, if you want to, uh, we're going to have a booking page link that, that uh, Nico, you can share Absolutely. with the crew there. And uh, we'd be more than happy to sit down with you and talk to you in detail about what your needs are and how we can help. So I'll tell you what I'm going to do for you, Solar Warriors. 
If you're listening to this in timely fashion, meaning before January 14th, when Intersolar North America starts, and even if you're listening afterwards, we'll put to, uh, we're going to link to a page that Mark's going to build that is very specific to those of you who want to take action right now. So if this is pre-Jan 14, and you'd like to meet with Mark and his team in Long Beach at Intersolar, go to mysuncast.com forward slash drone base, just like it sounds, D-R-O-N-E-B-A-S-E. And that will forward you to a URL that Mark and his team have set up to help you, A, do one of two things. A, book a time with his team at Intersolar North America 2022, which is in January and is in Long Beach. I hope if you're going, by the way, let me know because Mark and I will both be there and I'd love to meet with you as well. Go to that page. It'll forward you to set up your appointment with the drone-based team. And if you are listening to this now or in the future, and that opportunity to meet in person has slipped by, but you still want to see, do my assets fall within the flight path of the drone base North America aerial scan? You can also check that address on the same page. That URL again is mysuncast.com forward slash drone base, spelled just like it sounds. Mark, any parting thoughts or words of wisdom for, again, our director of assets, uh, of asset management or of operations and maintenance? Do you think they've now got a clearer picture of whether or not to use a drone versus manned aerial aircraft? Yeah, I think so. I hope so. Um, you know, we used to say at SunEd that, um, you know, the asset management and the OM team, we were the keepers of the promise, right? Uh, we believe that fervently. I believe that fervently. I know it's, it's uh, sometimes when you're working on this side of the business, you don't get as much love as you do on the development side. But this is where the rubber proverbial hits the road. Um, you know, it's maintaining the assets over time, making sure those assets perform because a lot of people have put their money to work here. And it's not, you know, wealthy bankers on Wall Street. A lot of times this is this is your grandmother's retirement fund or this is, you know, other money that has been put together like your teachers, uh, the police officers, uh, the fire departments. You know, they're putting money to work there because they need a safe place for the money to live. And in this day and age, solar is increasingly the bet people are making. And so we see this as a critical tool that helps those folks, that helps the director of ONM, the director of asset management, hold faith with um, their clients. We're here to help. We get it. You guys have a hard job. We try and make it simple, easy, and, and cost-effective. Well, there you have it, Solar Warrior. Mark and the team at DroneBase help you separate the wheat from the chaff and decide, does it make sense for us to build this or partner with a third-party service provider? Do we use drones on site? Do we work with manned aerial imagery from, you know, aircraft, from manned aircraft and uh, with the not only acquisition of AirProbe, uh, but with their recent growth round of 20 million, Mark and his team at DroneBase are really well positioned, uh, in my view, to help you separate the the truth from fiction on this again if you want to meet with mark and his team in intersolar north america you can go to mysuncast.com forward slash d-r-o-n-e-b-a-s-e drone base that'll help you a book a meeting or b check to see if you're in their aerial flight path and uh, see if it makes sense for you to set up a meeting in or out of intersolar to to do business with the drone base mark culpepper Thank you for taking the time to help us get smarter here as we start the year off right in 2022. Thank you, Nico. And uh, 
Thank you, everybody who's uh, listening out there and who's working on the good work that we're all working on. And uh, Happy New Year, by the way. (laughs) Indeed. Happy New Year, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. Well, as Mark pointed out, there are a number of really important things to address as you identify exactly how to roll out a thermal imaging or an aerial imaging strategy for your solar fleet operations and management or asset management protocol for 2022 and beyond. I hope that this has been informative for you. And if you are going to be in Long Beach, California, January 14th and 15th for InterSolar North America, I would encourage you once again to go check out the DroneBase website. You can go to mysuncast.com forward slash DroneBase, and that will put you on the page where you can both book time with Mark and his team in Long Beach, as well as check to see if any of your assets fall along their flight path already. And if they don't, well, you can reach out to Mark and his team and get it scheduled. I hope that you will learn from the many different elements of education on their website as well. And I hope that you learned from Mark and I in this conversation today to answer the question, drone versus manned aircraft. Maybe it's both as Mark suggests with his drone-based platform. And if you want to enjoy even more content like the one that was delivered to your earballs today, well, you can find more than 430 additional episodes along with resources, highlights from the discussions, social media links to each and every guest here on Suncast, even book recommendations and more on the blog at mysuncast.com. Remember, you are what you listen to as we barrel headlong into 2022. Thanks again for showing up, Solar Warrior. It's half the battle. Happy New Year. Let's make it happen.